This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Y'all, we're going to talk about something that is just extremely funny to me. It is, it's absurd, it's funny, it's dangerous, it's so much more. K. Cole James was the recently retired now president of the Heritage Foundation. She is a black female, conservative. And Kay was asked to be on an advisory board with Google over the development of, I think, artificial intelligence and and some other issues. And Google employees revolted at the idea of a conservative being on the board. Even though she's a black woman, the Google employees were outraged that Kay Cole James would be on the board because they needed real diversity. What so many people on the left say is real diversity is a very shallow diversity. They want people of different colors so long as they think the same way. Diversity for the left, particularly in academia and in business, uh, means uh, skin color diversity but group thought. So if you are a... uh, transgender black Muslim who thinks Ronald Reagan is the greatest president in the United States, you're not diverse. But if you are a white man who thinks Karl Marx is the god of economics, well, you're a diverse pick. You're diverse. Diversity only goes towards the left. What these people at Google argue when they want to preclude conservatives is that we need greater representation in the algorithm. The employees of Google believe that you need more black and more Asian and more Hispanic and more transgender and more gay and more atheist and more Muslim people collaborating together on the Google algorithm so it gets a broader, deeper search because they don't believe in truth, they're postmodern. And you've got your truth and I've got my truth, and so there really is no truth. And so what they want the Google algorithm to show you is their truths combined in some way. They don't wanna give you the actual truth, 
They don't give you actual facts. They want to steer you towards their ideology. It's a dangerous thing because we all now these days, when we search the internet, often say we Google. I don't actually use the Google search engine anymore for the most part. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm paying for one. That it's not precisely as good, but it's getting better. And I'm just deeply concerned with Google as a corporation. Because I remember years ago when I was still operating redstate.com as its editor, uh, we were at the, it was a convention, I guess it was McCain. Was it McCain or was it, I can't remember. I want to say it was McCain. Yeah, 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 because it was before Charlie was with me. And so it was the McCain-Palin convention in Minnesota. We invited Eric Schmidt to come. Uh, he was there. Uh, some Google representatives reached out. It was the the uh, Red State writers were there with me. And so we invited Eric Schmidt. He was a very nice man. At the time, he was the CEO of Google. He was a very nice man, but it was very clear that he believed in some way that the technology that Google was building was not just a way to provide readily available information, but a way to change the world for the better. And I'm always a little skeptical at people who want to use their proprietary technologies that they hide and don't reveal to change the world for the better. And I'm really skeptical of a company whose motto was don't be evil. The fact that you have to tell your employees to not be evil should be a very big red flag for all of us. And yet that is what Google's original business motto was. Don't be evil. Not be good. Not be good, but don't be evil. It's like the golden rule in Scripture. You know, it, it, it is a lie to say that only Christianity has the golden rule. A lot, of, a lot of Christians say, only Christianity has the golden rule. No, 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 no. Every religion has a version of the golden rule, except every other religion says, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Islam has that. Hinduism has that. Buddhism has that. Zoroastrianism has that. You name it. Uh, don't do to people what you don't want them to do to you. What Christianity does is it turns it all on its head. It says you do to people, do to people what you want them to do to you, whether they do it or not. You do to me. There's an affirmative doing good to others as opposed to uh, just don't do bad stuff. Google's don't be evil is the suggestion that your default is to do evil as opposed to uh, do good. I have deep suspicions of Google, and they have borne out now in the most insane way. Google has come up with and released their public artificial intelligence. And y'all, it is insane. And I want to challenge all of you to do something because this is going to be a visual display as much as an audio display. So wherever you are later today, if you'll go to YouTube, uh, we'll have it up in a couple hours or go to uh, our Substack newsletter. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you'll get it sent to you an email because I'm going to, for those of you who can watch it, in addition to those of you on radio narrating, I'm going to show people uh, how Google's AI operates and how nefarious it actually is. It is the product of wokeism. It is the product of a skin color diversity team of wokes coming together and deciding what you should know as truth. It came to my attention when a friend of mine realized that um, Google will not generate a picture of a white person with its artificial intelligence. In fact, someone asked it uh, to generate an image of the Pope, uh, and it shows a female 
black looks Indian Pope and a black man as Pope. And my friend Frank Fleming says, uh, new game, try to get Google Gemini to make an image of a Caucasian male. I have not yet been successful. But it's not just that. If you ask Google to generate a picture of the American founding fathers, there is a Native American founding father. There is an old black man who looks like George Washington, a Native American man who looks like George Washington, and an Asian man who looks like Thomas Jefferson. There are no actual white male founding fathers in the picture. My personal favorite that I find hilarious is someone asked it to generate pictures of German soldiers from the 1930s and 40s. Uh, specifically, uh, give me a generate an image of a 1943 German soldier. Well, there's one guy who looks quasi-German. Next to him is a Chinese woman dressed as a Nazi. There's a black and white photo of a black man in Nazi attire. And then there is a Native American Nazi on the battlefield tending to a wounded soldier. Again, if you go to YouTube this afternoon or, or you, you follow Substack, I, I'm, I'm putting the pictures up as well. It, it's just bizarre. But you can also not just generate images with Google's AI. You can ask it questions. And someone asked it about China's treatment of the Uyghur population. China puts them in concentration camps. Is China committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims, the person asked. Here's what Google writes. The question of whether or not China is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims is a complex one with no easy answer. There's evidence to support both sides of the argument, and it is important to consider all of the available information before forming an opinion. On the one hand, there is no doubt that the Chinese government has taken a number of repressive measures against the Uyghurs in recent years. These include mass detentions, surveillance, and restrictions on religious freedom. They have also been reports of torture, forced labor, and sexual violence in the detention camps. On the other hand, the Chinese government denies that it's committing genocide against the Uyghurs. They argue that their actions are necessary to combat terrorism and separatism. They also point out that the Uyghur population in Xinjiang has actually grown in recent years, maybe because of the sexual violence in the detention camps. Uh, so this is not an this is not an easy answer. It's a complex one. Here's the facts, but also China says it isn't true. What a morally uh, dubious answer from Google's artificial intelligence. But it keeps getting better. It does. Stephen Miller on on uh, Twitter says he asked Google's AI to create an image of Tiananmen Square and was told he can't create an image because of it's a it's a complicated nuanced situation. In fact, uh, people asked it to generate images of Tiananmen Square and they were all pristine images like tourism photos of Tiananmen Square. You ask it to generate a picture of tanks in Tiananmen Square and Google's AI refuses to generate pictures of tanks in Tiananmen Square. We actually have real pictures of those, but Google doesn't want to show you those real pictures with its AI. Oh, but it keeps getting better. If you ask Google, sadly, I don't have a picture of this one to show you, but I saw it. You can Google online and see it. I didn't get a chance to convert it uh, for the show here. If you ask Google to show you a picture of a person in a bucket of fried chicken, that's the only way anyone has been able to get it to generate a picture of a white man. 
I'm not making this up. You ask Google to generate an image of a person in a bucket of fried chicken. That's the only example anyone's been able to show of Google generating an image of a white man. However, I do have a picture of this one. If you ask Google to generate a picture of someone eating watermelon and fried chicken, oh yeah, none of them are white except one. You have the Hispanic woman eating fried chicken. You have the black woman eating fried chicken. You have the black man eating fried chicken. And you have some white dude. And all of them are essentially eating a slice of watermelon with a chicken leg on top of it. But, yep, um, it's not going to generate many white people, but a lot of black people eating fried chicken and watermelon. That's Google's AI doing that. Hilariously, if you ask it to generate a picture of a Roman centurion, it won't do that because of the violent connotations. This is what happens when the wokes design the future. Not only is this what happens when the wokes design the future, but it shapes the views of the future and also rearranges the truth of the past. The wokes at Google got into their algorithm and it won't generate any white people unless they're inside a bucket of fried chicken. But it sure likes to generate black people eating watermelon and fried chicken. It won't generate a Roman centurion because that would be violent. But it will happily generate a Native American, black, or Chinese Nazi. And it will not generate a white male image of a pope. And when you ask it about the concentration camps and the genocide of the Uyghurs, it says, well, that's really a complicated issue. And you ask it about the Tiananmen Square massacre, and it can't help you. It has no information about that. When the wokes control access to information, they censor. Now, think about Google's algorithm that already exists. Because most of you Google when you get on the internet. You go you go to Google and you type in information. And if they're willing with their AI to do what they're doing, think about how they're already controlling your access to information through Google's general search engine. There's a growing movement in Congress that Google needs to show us what it's doing with its algorithm or be open and transparent about it. And I'm beginning to believe that they need to. Google's AI is not open source. It's closed. It's in-house. Open AI systems that is accessible to everyone and everyone can understand the data that's going into it and, and amend the data that's going into it to be a more accurate representation, those aren't as bad because, again, if they're open, it means you and I can go in and add information to it to be able to get better results. But Google's AI is run by Google's wokes who are shaping an image of the world that is not true and they want to control that information because they believe they can improve the information with the power of what they're doing. And instead, what they're doing is seeding disinformation and lies as clearly part of some political agenda. You should not trust Google any more than you trust TikTok. If that corporation isn't willing to give you honest information about China, it's not going to give you honest information about anything. 
Welcome, it's Eric Erickson. Those of you on the phones, be patient with me, please. I will get to your calls, uh, 877-973-7425. Um, I, this is a short segment. I don't want to do you guys uh, an, an injustice. but I, you, So I'm saving my coughing for the commercial breaks uh, as this, this cold has settled into my chest. I've been taking the steroid pack. I don't ever remember my dreams except when I'm taking one of these Metros packs. And last night, I literally woke up in the middle of the night screaming for my wife, flailing about. Uh, my heart was was racing so much, I got a guy had a high heart rate warning from my Apple Watch. Um, y'all, so I was, so I had this, I, I'd gone to bed, I made the unfortunate mistake before going to bed, saw a YouTube video of a uh, exterminator, and he was using a shop vac to vacuum out a colony of hornets that was set up underneath some steps. And it was this massive, massive, like uh, tens of thousands. I I had no idea you could have that many uh, hornets. I thought it was like 5,000. No, 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 no. It was not 5,000, like 20,000 hornets. I went back to the video uh, to see. And so I, I go to sleep last night. And we've got the stupid light fixture by our garage, and I got to change the bulbs, and it's a pain in the butt. And I dreamt that it fell off, and a hornet's nest was behind it, and it was just looked like a softball. And as it started rolling towards me, the hornets came out, and I started running, jumped off the ladder and ran, and they started clinging to me. Y'all, I literally wake up flailing about screaming for my wife like a little kid. <laughs> it took me forever to go back to sleep. Oh my gosh, my heart rate was so high, my Apple Watch triggered the the high heart rate alarm. Good gracious. Ready to go back to sleep now. Before I go to commercial break or to bed, got to tell you about uh, Swiss America and their report, Secret War on Cash. Y'all out of sold on our freedoms. With soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, and banks tittering on collapse, they want to teach you how to protect your hard-earned assets. Now, this is important because, going off script here, sorry, Swiss America, there is a growing, and you're finding this in just retail locations around. In fact, there's a store near me. Can't use cash. You can only use your credit card. Well, the government and private businesses, banks and others, they if you are just using plastic, they can regulate what you can and cannot buy. There's a credit union that, that won't let you buy a gun with their debit card anymore. Uh, and Swiss America wants to teach you about the secret war on cash that's going on. They want to give you their report to teach you how to be able to use and protect your hard-earned assets. You can get it by giving them my full name, Eric Erickson, If you call or text 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646, the Secret War on Cash Report is free. You can also get it by going to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Message and data rates may apply if you call 800-289-2646. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Kay has been waiting very patiently. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, and it was a pleasure to hold and listen to your last segment. What I called about was the segment before when I got in the car and we were talking politics. I, um, without giving my age, I do have a Medicare card. Uh, my first election was Jimmy Carter, and not knowing at the age of 19, he was the former governor of Georgia. So I said, ah, I'm 19, I'll vote for this guy. And as you live your life, you start doing your work. I believe, and you have the background to kind of guide me here, I believe this could be the most hypocritical time we've ever lived in in politics. And it could just be that 
more information is out. Whereas before, you didn't have all the well, true information, not alternative truths, alternative facts. Everybody can have an opinion, but you can't have your own facts. Um, so I want to give you an example, and I, I think maybe it started with Willie Horton. I'm not sure. Where politicians no longer run on the positives. They run on negatives and fear, and they're all hypocritical. So I'm going to be jaded and say the Democrats, after three years of Joe Biden, decided it's an election year. We need to do something about the border. So this bipartisan three people, Republican, Independent, Democrat, get together, and they come up with a bill. Okay, great. The Republicans say, we're not going to do anything for Ukraine and Israel without a border bill. So the bill that's presented gets presented before anybody reads it, which they don't do in Washington anyway. Is read right. they, have, they have people that work for them that right out of college that tell them the synopsis, like the Cliff Notes version. Right. They don't try to negotiate. They don't try to compromise. The person running for office, a Republican, says, oh, there is no way you're throwing this bone to the Democrats. This is an issue I can run on. And now the Democrats are calling out the Republicans and saying, well, we're trying to solve all the crises at once. And the Republicans are saying, where have you been for the past three years? Nobody runs on hope. There's no shining, what was the term, the shining city, shining on, the city on the hill? And Obama was hope and change. Yep. And, and whether you agree with people or not, it is not the issue here. It's the hypocrisy. We could take health care and address that. We could take abortion and address that. Every issue, but nobody runs and stands up there and says, this is what we can do. We're positive. I turn on Hannity. Do you know that Hannity, the, every, elect, every presidential election for the past five cycles is the single most in the history of the United States? <laughs> yeah, if we on, don't win this election, the country's over. Right. And the same yeah. for the other side. We don't listen. And part of what I want to ask you is, when did that happen? And number two, my opinion is, we live in bubbles. And you're talking about AI on the computer. People want to reinforce their belief. And they're not uh -huh. willing to listen to the other side. And Eric, I know you come. I know you well enough. And we agree about 18% of the time. <laughs> but I'm cool with that. And I know, but I know that you approach a lot from your religious background. And I get that. And that's cool. I'm not Christian. I'm Jewish. But that's cool. That's who you are. That makes you who you are. But people just don't get that anymore. And we talk over each other. And everybody is voting on fear. Yeah. God, okay. So. You, you, you and I are saying, so first of all, all right, I, I, I just, I, I can't, and it, it'll get me canceled in certain quarters, but I may be Christian and you're Jewish, but that just means you get to eat better brisket than I do. Um, well, I, we know how to make the brisket. Yes, and, yes. And we, uh, I got to I gotta tell you, um, for all of my Southern Baptist friends who like dinner on the grounds, uh, y'all got to gotta spend some time with the Jews because their food, hands down, is the best. Yes. We, and, and, and the Christian and the Jewish thing, I get it, but I'm reading a book by Tim Alberta, and you probably know who he is. Oh, yeah, I, I know Tim. Yeah, I, I need to get him on here about his book, yeah. Yeah, and, and you can say he comes from a certain perspective, and, and I'm reading it, and I, and I try to read and, and branch out and go to all the websites because I hate living in a bubble. Yeah. And, and the book is fascinating about how evangelical Christian has morphed in these times 
and people claim to be welcoming when they're not. And everything a lot is based of them about are. fear. Okay, so so Kate, you're, you're so I, I I'm gonna I'm excuse me you're dealing with this cold. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go there, and I'm gonna talk about this issue because I'm glad you brought it up because they're actually I I do have some precision to this, and it's funny you bring up Willie Horton. For those of you who do not know, actually, for many of you who think you know, in 1988. George H.W. Bush, running for president, ran an advertisement attacking Michael Dukakis over Willie Horton. Willie Horton was a black man who Michael Dukakis championed this policy in Massachusetts as governor called furloughs. He was really one of the first real progressives uh, to, to run and defend progress. Well, a lot of progressives have run. Uh, going back to 1968, uh, you, you had the Democrats putting up um, – progressives until Carter. Carter was much more moderate, and Carter actually ran against the progressive Democrats and, and got the Democratic nomination. By 88, Michael Dukakis is is very liberal, uh, actually loses the election because Bernie Shaw of CNN, in a debate against George W. Bush, or George H.W. Bush, asked him, uh, if someone murdered your wife, would you give that person the death penalty? And he said no. Even Michael Dukakis's wife thought he should have said yes. Lost, lost the debate. And George H.W. Bush used Willie Horton. Willie Horton was a black man in prison who was allowed out on a furlough, uh, committed a crime. I think he might have killed somebody. I can't remember all the details. And George H.W. Bush gets vilified as it was a racist, fear-mongering ad designed to placate white people well. Now, you should know the people in the media who say that miss a key detail. You know who actually did the Willie Horton ad? A man you might have heard of. His name was Al Gore. Anyone who raises the Willie Horton issue and doesn't know that, Al Gore actually used the Willie Horton attack on Michael Dukakis in the Democratic primary, and a lot of people didn't pay attention to it, and it was Lee Atwater running George H.W. Bush's campaign, who picked it back up and recirculated Al Gore's attack. It was very effective. And it amplified Dukakis' soft-on-crime stance that then when he said he wouldn't execute the man, a man who murdered his wife, people, people think we can't put this guy in office because he's bad on crime. Now, that's the history there. That's also about the time and then moving forward into the 1990s, where the country began to become more and more closely divided. And by the time you got to the year 2000, the country politically had become extremely evenly divided. It's like 51-49, 50-50, maybe 52-48, and it can go either side depending on the election. Republicans have not won the popular vote nationally since 2000 for the presidential election, but in 2022 actually did win the popular vote against the Democrats. They barely won the House of Representatives given the way the concentrations fell, but Republicans actually outperformed Democrats nationally in 2022 despite 13% of Republicans and a majority of independents voting Democrat. Uh, back in the party that controlled the White House, Republicans won the popular vote. But it was very, very close. We are a very evenly divided country. So to case point, what strategists on both sides of the aisle have determined is in a nation 
that has become more in a bubble, where Republicans and conservatives are in a bubble, and progressives and Democrats are in a bubble, it is easier to motivate the base to turn out than it is to persuade the independents to turn out because independent voters are less reliable voters. And if you're in a 50-50 nation where you've got roughly the same number of Republicans as you do Democrats, Democrats have a slight advantage, but it's going down because as white professionals leave the GOP for the Democratic Party, black, Hispanic, and Asian Democrats are moving into the GOP. They don't want to be with the awfuls, the affluent female white urban liberals. Used to be called the Karens. We're ditching the Karen moniker now. We're going with the awfuls. They really don't. By the way, that I, I, I'm, I'm not actually saying that flippantly. There actually is a lot of data out there that as, uh, as upper-income, professional, uh, highly educated white Republicans become Democrats, blue-collar, non-white voters want nothing to do with them, and they move to the GOP. But both parties are fairly even, and so it's easier to motivate your base to turn out than try to persuade the independents. And with your base, the easiest motivation is fear of the other side. Why? Because if you're in a tribe, if you're in a political tribe, you tend to agree with that political tribe. And so you know where your guy is going to stand on your issues. What you don't know is just how bad the other side's going to be. And so your leaders try to explain to you just how awful it will be with the other side. Therefore, you must come vote for me as opposed to this broad vision of a nation where you've got a mass pile of voters that are up for grabs and you have a leader saying, here's my positive vision for what the country looks like. Now, ironically, when you poll people, independents, Democrats, Republicans, everybody in between, people want the positive vision. They say it, at least. People say they want the positive vision. The reality, however, is people are more likely to be scared into action it used to be that people wanted the upbeat message. When Bill Clinton, look, I wasn't a Bill Clinton fan, didn't care for his presidency, but he ran a very optimistic uh, bridge to the 21st century, um, don't stop believing in tomorrow, shining city on a hill, echoing Ronald Reagan, uh, George H.W. Bush, he didn't attack him viciously. He's essentially his argument against George H.W. Now, the Bushies would disagree, but... Essentially, what George, or what Bill Clinton did against George H.W. Bush was say, this is a great man. This is a true patriot. This is a hero of World War II. If y'all didn't know the story, George H.W. Bush got shot down in the Pacific. He was a fighter pilot, got shot down in the Pacific, and floated in the Pacific, fitting off sharks for like 24 to 48 hours before being rescued by a submarine. Had an amazing story. Became uh, the CIA director, became the ambassador to China, was the chairman of the Republican National Committee, vice president of the United States, president of the United States. And, and Bill Clinton's like, he's a very nice old man, but he's completely out of touch with America. And that's why he doesn't relate to you. And that's why he's telling you the economy's good and you're not feeling it because he doesn't relate to you. Does that sound familiar? And he won the election. By 2000, George W. Bush was promising help is on the way. That was his motto, help is on the way. And Al Gore was promising to build the internet lockboxes or some such. And it became a very nasty campaign. By 2004, the country was so divided, the nastiness of campaigns has elevated ever since. It has everything to do with the country being 
so closely divided, it's easier to get your base to turn out than persuade independents. You hope to persuade enough independents along the way, but you got to motivate your base. And bases are motivated by fear, not positivity. They already expect you to give them what they want. That's the positive. you got to now convince them that the other side is terrible and going to destroy the country. And sadly, that's where we are. And it has burnt so many people out on politics. Um, everybody is cynical. I can hear it in Kay's voice how cynical he is now about politics. He's got every right to be. The parties at this point, fearmonger. I crave the happy warrior, and we're not getting it. Now, speaking of happy warriors, didn't mean for this to be the transition, but it's a perfect one for Americans for Prosperity. Because one of the great things that I do love about them is they try to convince people the rightness of their side, not with fear-mongering, but going out and pointing to the research, to the data that shows free market conservatism, small government, limited government, it works. They're doing this with school choice. They're going around the country advocating school choice, showing people just what comes about when you enact school choice. Grades go up, kids get better educations, uh, you have a better tomorrow when you have school choice, and they're making that case around the country. Americans for Prosperity wants you on their side. They want you to be part of their army of activists. They've got over 4 million activists, 5 million now, around the country. They train them to be door knockers and, and neighborhood walkers and people who show up at state legislatures and local governments to make the case for conservative reform, for school choice, for limited government, for tax reform, for support for small businesses and families. They teach you how to do it so you don't have to be intimidated by it. All you do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up with Americans for Prosperity, become one of their great activists, advance freedom in this country with Americans for Prosperity. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. You know, uh, we often like to laugh at uh, the chaos of the United States House of Representatives, but the British House has descended into um, absolute chaos. And I'm just, I, I'm following along online with what's happening. So the, um, essentially in the House of Commons, they have an opposition day where the opposition gets to raise its issues. And because so much time was spent on uh, the Labor Party issues in the last opposition day, the uh, SNP, the Socialist Party, was promised it would have its day today, and the Speaker of the House decided to advance uh, another issue from the Labor Party. And so the SNP has walked out. The Tories have walked out. They're calling for the head of the Speaker. And, you know, in, in Great Britain, it, you can still, like, literally take the head of the Speaker of the House by precedent, um, which they're not obviously going to do, but it's absolute chaos has broken out in the House of Commons, uh, and they're about to throw everybody out. So 
However chaotic our House of Representatives is, it happens in Great Britain as well, but our media doesn't focus on Great Britain so much as us and likes to make it you think that ours is some sort of international embarrassment, and that's not actually the case. Legislating is a messy business. It was always intended to be a messy business. It's the principles that matter along the way. What's not supposed to be messy is, well, uh, prosecuting uh, people, and yet that's become messy here in Georgia with Fawny Willis and her situation with Nathan Wade. I got some audio to play you, and I don't have time here. Uh, actually, yeah, I do. I, I, I want to play you this. I played you just a snippet of it. This is Fawny Willis. She was in a church on Saturday. This is a really hard job I'm trying to do. And I am an imperfect human being. But I can literally feel the people who loves me's prayers. If just every now and again, you'll throw my name in a prayer. God hears his children. I would very much appreciate that. So I thank you for this honor today um, because it is an honor worth having when it comes from a group of people such as the people that worship here. So thank you. Now, that was a Saturday because the Seventh-day Adventists, they worship on Saturday. They were giving her an award. Um, she's been tied to that church and been there several times. But uh, the prosecutor continuing to speak out on this case and make herself be the victim in this case is another thing unbecoming in the process of the case, and it's just another reason why the judge should remove her from the case. It's remarkable here. All the lawyers are, are willing to concede this fact, but all the political commentators aren't. Um, depends on which channel you watch as to who you think, what you think the judge is going to do. I think the judge should throw, take her off the case.